genius Can strike a man at any time So I'm waiting So let's cut it with the heavy Welcome to uh, Girl Boys, the podcast you're currently listening to. I'm joined as always by my uh, friend and co-host, Liam. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Girl Boys again. And uh, just right off the bat, this is going to be a messed up episode. We started doing this as like a joke. And then I sat down and I did some reading and rewatched some old videos. And this was like peeling an onion and it's mealy and black and there's bold everywhere it's fucking fascinating but we're gonna get to that when we get to it but right now let's just uh let's just talk about what's going on in the world as we speak we'll do it live fuck it so uh trump's been indicted again a fucking again three times in a row three times in a fucking row he's been indicted uh this time for I would say a little more serious uh, between his involvement and in fuck over the election. Uh, what do you think about that? Yes, uh, it really is three times the charm for him. I have a personal theory that if you get indicted three times, you should really spend like a day in prison. Yeah, if you don't uh, fess up to your crimes, this will just be the rest of your life. So you should probably just admit right now before like things get probably serious. But to be indicted for like, the same thing over and over again, like the, this fucking document bullshit, what is it now? He told some fucking Trump staffer to like delete video of him fucking acknowledging that the uh, that Joe Biden actually won the election, that there was no fraud, that he knew like, pretty much from like when it was called that he lost. It's such like cartoon villain shit. It's so fucking weird. I, I would say, I think it's hopefully like, if, if they can prove he never admitted the election was stolen, he'll get off. He's too stupid to know what he's doing. Because that seems to be the game at this point. My client's too stupid to actually commit election fraud. That's why they're going to try to get uh, Rudy and Sydney thrown under the bus as hard as they are. Because uh, I feel, that's probably the best uh, defense you can have. My client's crazy. Yeah, that seems to be the uh, Ben Shapiro defense. Because uh, he was like another Trump Republican in fucking 2016, and now he's he's just like everyone else is kissing the ring. The Shapiro defense is, uh, well, Trump's, uh, Trump's retarded, so he can't possibly know that he's like actually committing crimes. The entire case is Donald Trump likes things and then he keeps them. Donald Trump is like, here's the thing. It's a really nice thing. It's a good, it's a good thing. I want it. It's mine. If they call it a thing, it's a thing. Wait, that, that. I don't really think that's an excuse. Ronald Reagan got away with it because he like actually had Alzheimer's. And you could argue how much that actually played a factor in Iran-Contra, but like he managed to get away with that. If Trump tries to pull the fucking, um, like, I didn't know fucking, I didn't know any better. I was, I was just surrounded by yes men. I really don't think that's... That's a solid uh, defense there. That really is like, yeah, uh, I'm too stupid to go to jail. It, it could work because this is unprecedented to have a president, a former president indicted this many fucking times. How do you take a former president to jail? Like, what's the process of that? 
And does he go, do we isolate him from everyone? Does he go in general pop? Like, these are questions we've we've never had to ask this shit because it's never happens. It's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out. And if he'll even be, because I know at this point he's still the front runner. DeSantis is fucking gone. He's not even. Yeah. That's the curse of being way too online as soon as you're Nazi- 18-year-old staffer puts out a fan cam. It's like, well, this is over. Your fucking 60-year-old audience doesn't know what a fan cam is, so this shit is fucking done. So there's a couple other people, but they're non-factors. Trump's the only one who has any juice to run against yeah. Joe Biden. Trump should just do the uh, the Comtown Downsville Trump meme and just <laughs> pretend he has like some uh, some brain disease. He just goes into court and pretends he has Down syndrome. I didn't know I uh, took those uh, those papers. I didn't know they were uh, that was illegal to do. And uh, maybe he'll get away with that. But uh, he, he, yeah, he should so. pull a David Berkowitz and said, "My dog made me do it." It's as intelligent <laughs> as you know everything else he's trying at this point. <laughs> Yeah, fucking uh, Michael Imperio was going to make a movie about him in a few years' time. Ah! Oh, Jesus. But, uh, yeah, the, this is not even close to over, so we're going to leave the discussion there because this is going to be so much shit coming out in the next couple of months. But uh, the only other news item I really am that interested in, and it's I hate talking about Elon Musk. I fucking hate it. But we have to because he has officially rebranded Twitter to X. And the mm. it looks like a porn app. Yeah, I love vlogging on to... Uh... To, to X to watch videos. I love watching X videos. We love it, don't we, folks? I, I, I know Musk is like on a way online, but you'd think he'd know that there's already a fucking porn site called X videos. It's just, there's so much. Like, there's... Why are you. What's, what's your obsession with the X brand here? What's, uh, what's going on here? There, there's, a, there's a stigma around the letter X and the internet that you can't just get rid of with a rebrand. And I don't think the app's been banned in Indonesia now because, yeah, it's, it looks like a porn app now. It looks like, I think the best tweet I saw said, this looks like an app that is like an underground club in Budapest uses to traffic children. <laughs> Like it really has that look to it, but and there's some other crazy shit I read. I read one article. Apparently, some father beat his kid because when he looked at his kid's phone, he thought he had downloaded a porn app, not knowing that fucking yeah, yeah, which is horrible. But it is also and congratulations, Elon Musk. You're contributing to child abuse. Thank you, asshole. Fuck. It doesn't help that Musk is also uh, like right on actual pedophiles onto his app. Oh, like, yeah. I can't remember exactly who it was, but he let some guy who would just openly put on fucking child pornography. Oh, okay, so he... I know the story of this. I read this. Uh, so apparently he's like a hardcore QAnon addict, and he posted mm -hmm. screenshots of a video called Daisy's Destruction, which if you've ever been on like a really fucked up part of the internet, it's like one of those notorious... The guy was an Australian. He worked in the Philippines. It's a horrible story. I'm not going to get into it, but... It's a very famous online snuff film, and he was just posting screenshots of it. So he fucking had a copy of this, which that should you should be in prison if you have a copy of something like that. And he was banned rightfully because you're posting fucking child porn. And Elon Musk is like, we're going to let him on because free speech, I guess, even though I'm not sure that's a hill I would want to die on personally. You know, this is me. Like, guys yeah. posting fucking... You're such a fucking... You're such a free speech absolutist, you circle around to just allowing snuff films to be posted on your fucking website. That's, that's just, you go so hard one way, you become, you become the very thing you despise. My favorite part is once this is all over, once the, the bodies are officially buried, we're going to find out. He was on a fuckload of drugs during this time. 
Because this is like behavior of a man who's going through a manic episode. He's just coming up with shit like every other day. It's, we're going to do this now. Now we're going to do this. Ban him. Do this. Like it's, there's no cohesive to any of his thoughts. He's just throwing shit at the wall. Like just today he announced, we're going to help fund any lawsuits of people who are banned from our website. I'm like, oh, that's going to be fun. I hope to God you, like, you can't even pay rent on your fucking office, but you'll fund the lawsuit for a fucking neo-Nazi who got banned for posting, like, 1488 on his Twitter account. He really has, like, Hitler at the end of World War II. <laughs> He's just in his fucking bunker, high on opiates, coming up with fucking, pulling battle plans of his ass that just goes nowhere. I'm convinced he's in his, like, Hitler office. And he's got all these fucking yes men and Musk is doing the um the Steiner offensive and someone has to come up to him like, Yeah, Steiner died like a month ago, sorry. We've uh, we've uh, pretty much lost now. You have to you have to retire. God damn it. It's so fucking just it's 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 this behavior of a man who, and you know, Linda Yaccarino, uh, she's learning things about her company every day that she doesn't even fucking know about. She's like, wait a minute, what? he did that? I didn't even get told about that shit. Could you imagine her looking at her email box every day like, oh my god, what have I signed on to? It's funny that uh, Linda's like a fucking WEF show. She has a place in the uh, World Economic Forum. She's like a fucking uh, Klaus Schwab, George Soros guy. And she's the one to take over fucking from a from based anti deep state Musk handpicked successor. Because remember when that was announced on Twitter, all the fucking QAnon guys lost their shit. We, we thought you were our guy, and now you're a fucking oh, you were a deep state the entire time. But it's also then they rationalized it after a certain point because that's you know the end result isn't actually stopping all this shit. It's just furthering fucking whatever your political goal is. Because that's not, this isn't a political movement anymore. This is just a fucking cult now. And particularly with Musk, the cult of personality he's built around himself. These guys can rationalize anything. Blah, 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 this bullshit like that. Like, it's just, it's a, you know, it's an engine that'll just keep fueling itself. And eventually, the only way it'll stop is if he does something so egregious that they have to stop it. Sooner or later, someone's just gonna post like like the snuff film from Eight Millimeter. Someone's just gonna post that full thing and like, well, we should probably shut this down now. Uh, Twitter's had its run. Yep, I think um, I because it, it was already funny that he would just allow fucking Avatar two in four K. It would just be up for a day before it gets fucking taken down for copyright. But now it's yeah, there's uh there's snuff films on here now. Uh, Great. There was there was an epidemic of animal torture videos for a while. I don't know if you remember that. Like you would go on there yeah. and it would autocorrect on the search engine, like dog getting crushed by heels. It's really fucked up. Yeah. And it's uh, I don't see this site lasting that long. Um, he'll he'll try to delay the inevitable. But you know, I'll put it like this: my my dad, who's you know a pretty he's a pretty casual user of Twitter, pretty conservative leaning guy. Even he's done with this shit. He's like, I can't deal with all this nonsense that I'm seeing on my feed. He just wants to fucking look at news. And he can't even use Twitter anymore. He's like, fuck this, I'm gonna go somewhere else. I was kind of thinking about going back because my uh, ban has been lifted. And then I saw that fucking story. It's like, yeah, I don't really want to go back to this uh, this snuff website. I think I'm I think I'm done. Here. I think I think I'm I think I've I've officially grown out of love with social media in general. I still have your dead Twitter account in our bio, but it's like <laughs> I, I don't even feel interest to build up the energy to go to fucking blue yeah, sky. I, I think I'm just done. I think I think we'll just be the internet equivalent of like dudes who live in the woods that think like World War Two is still happening.
Like, fuck it. I give yeah, up. We, were, we were one of the few people who's managed to remove themselves from that fucking uh, dumb internet hive mind, whereas the person we're about to talk about today is uh, literally incapable of doing that. Oh, boy. But uh, one more thing. I want to do one more news item. I like to always end our news item on some good shout and Freud stupidity. Um, there's, a vi- there's a film out called Sound of Freedom. I don't know if you've heard about this. <laughs> no, th- this came out. Yeah, this yeah. is, Yeah, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So... It's this. It's basically a QAnon propaganda movie. It's our boy uh, J, uh, Jim Caviezel. Uh, he's in this. It's it's founded by like some guy who says he stopped child trafficking, but there's so many stories of him basically lying or you know doing some very very questionable ethics. Uh, anyway, one of the backers of the film has just been arrested for kidnapping a child. So, god damn it, that's so fucking funny to me. <laughs> Yeah, you're you're so into saving the children that you're just circle around to openly kidnapping them. I I would like to do a Sound of Freedom at some point because the film itself isn't good. It's the, it doesn't know if it wants to be an action movie or a serious drama. So it's it's like this weird synthesis between both genres. But the uh, the backstory is interesting. How Tim Ballard would just go to South America and go up to pimps and be like, yeah. Um, we're looking for a bunch of kids. Can you get them for us? He th- he thinks he's solving fucking uh, like child prostitution rings and is just perpetuating them. It's this vicious circle that fucking these people just don't understand. It, it really is just projection at this point. This movie should be an IMAX. There's so much projection going on in this fucking movie. But what's the goal of making this movie? Is it to stop child trafficking? Because this movie's made a shitload of money. I guarantee you they did some conservative book inflation thing because my brother went to go see it yes it it was like him and another person it was no one at this movie that made 150 million (laughs) dollars worldwide yeah it's like when you see a Ren Beck book hit the fucking New York Times bestseller list and then you realize his company just bought a hundred fucking like a hundred thousand copies of all this shit is just artificially inflated none of this shit is actually real it's essentially just conservative virtue cycling it is it's like jim jim caviezel has to prove that he's holier than those evil libs that work for a demonic hollywood i don't know how much bad i should feel but i do feel like he has gone down a rabbit hole he can't escape it's kind of sad. You know, you were in person of interest. You seem like a charming... You work with Terrence Malick, and now you're fucking doing this garbage. Yeah, I'm convinced he thinks that a uh, person of interest is actually a documentary. <laughs> like, he's actually fighting <laughs> fucking, uh, like, pedophile supervillains. Oh, uh, Jesus Christ. We, uh, yeah, but one day... Sound of Freedom episode will happen one day. We're just... Me and Jordan have to figure out a way to watch it. I'm not going out to see this movie. Fuck that bullshit. Uh. I'm Ross cool, and I'm here to say No inflection in your voice is A-OK With the leak of shadows, I'll make Gotham fall I have several identities, all of them doll I am Harvey Dent, and my face is bent My evil motivation makes little sense I was a nice guy, but now I'm deranged Determining my future on the back of change My attitude can turn on the flip of a dime Boy, I tell you, this deal's getting worse all the time I am Dr. Crane, totally insane Shut your fucking mouth! Shut the fuck up, you cunt! Shut it! So, uh, speaking of guys who spend uh, a little too much time online, the uh, person we're going to be talking about today is, um, I don't want to say he's an obscure figure, 
because he is like somewhat internet famous, but at the same time, if you're a Zoomer, if you're younger than like 21, you probably don't know who this guy is if you want to uh, introduce him. So today we're talking about uh, a man who I've been fascinated with a long time. Uh, and we both, Jordan and I, have very personal connections to him because we both grew up in 2008, 2007 internet. So there's a lot of that kind of stuff floating around in our brains still. And... This guy, yeah, so it's his name is Doug Walker, a.k.a. the Nostalgia Critic, a.k.a. Channel Awesome. He was a real trailblazer back then. He kind of started the whole YouTube movie reviewer craze, because that really wasn't a thing until he started doing what he did. Early YouTube videos are essentially guys like Fred, remember Fred, folks? He uh, he was a fun for a while, wasn't he? And then uh, guys like Nostalgia Critic or Doug came along. I don't want to say pioneered online film criticism, because, like, of course, film forums had been a thing for a while, but he was one of the first guys to sit in front of a desk and camera and, like, just talk shit about movies. Um, you probably wouldn't get stuff like Screen Junkies if not for him. No. Uh, whether or not you view that as a good or bad thing is up to you. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a ne negative in my book. Yeah, it dog. is. It is. Uh, but one of the reasons I wanted to do this, and this is a very personal thing of mine, I am obsessed with bad media and not in the sense of like laughing at something because it's bad you can do that with anything it's just when we get into um his his work examples are like um how sonichu is the product of a man who is uh completely lost touch with reality or if you've ever read the disaster artist and then you watch the room and the way that like with these kinds of people the way that their own personal grievances and their own problems seep into their work unintentionally and doug is has a lot of that particularly when we get to demo reel his um charlie kaufman slash david lynch attempt it's <laughs> one of the most it's revealing and it tells me a lot about the man it tells you a lot about the man and that he will never say publicly before we get into doug's career and the kind of doug's rise and fall i want to read this for everyone because i think to you can tell a lot by a man by what his favorite films are. So I've decided, uh, he put out years ago his 20 favorite films of all time. Now, I'm sure this has changed, but considering that this was at the time he put this out and he made it very public, I would love to sit down and read it. Because it's a very weird, very eclectic list. It's almost contradictory in places, I would even argue. But I'm yeah, because when we talk about like, our favorite movies, like five favorite movies, it's it's stuff that we personally like, like Robocop, American Psycho, uh, maybe a proper classic movie like Citizen Kane or some shit. But when you read Doug's top 20, he can't just do top 10, he has to do top 20 for some fucking reason. When you read his list, it's fucking, it's schizophrenic. It's a mix of like old classic movies and like fucking kids movies. There's several Shakespeare adaptations on here. I'm just mm. gonna blaze through these real quick. And it's it's a wild list, and it's just it's fun. As, we're gonna be making a lot of fun of this man, and this is a great place for us to start. So number twenty is Titus, the Anthony Hopkins film, where it's basically Shakespeare's version of a rape revenge story. If you've ever read that, it's it's wild. But I, it's kind of wild that he would like that. But yeah, Titus. Kenneth Branagh, the 96th Hamlet film, and then Patton, for some reason, the George C. Scott movie, which, yeah, that's kind of, you know, I love George C. Scott, but okay. Then Ed Wood comes up, the Tim Burton 
movie about uh, Edward D. Wood Jr. And he's like the internet's version of Ed Wood. If I were to like give anyone that awful connotation, that's who Doug Walker is. So I can see the yeah. appeal of that. Like, that's fair. If Edward had a fucking uh, camcorder, he would just make suburban nights. That would be his fucking magnum opus. What would Doug Walker's version of Glenn or Glenda be? That, that's always a dream that I want to see. From episode three of Demo Real onwards, because that gets like real Freudian. Yeah, he gets yeah. Uh, like real fucking Freudian. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then after that, it, this is where the kid shit cars come up here. So <laughs> we have Hamlet, Patton, Fantasia, the Disney musical. Uh, that's the one with Mickey and the, the brooms and... Uh, the Devil. It's it's a it's a cool movie. It's one of those movies that you like put on the background. It's like a fish tank movie. I call them. Um, then Secret of Nim. Now, I bring this one up because this one is going to have very very. This is a movie that Doug is obsessed with, and it that obsession goes into demo reel near the end. And it's so funny because I've seen videos where he reviews um, other Don Bluth movies, and he takes it very personally. That Let's face it, Don Bluth was kind of a schlock. Like, he just made, like, shit kids movies. And, you know, the one time he made, like, a semi-serious movie and Doug just can't handle Like, why Why do you have to make fucking All Dogs Go to Heaven? Like, can't you make the next, like, Lord of the Rings? It's such a weird obsession he has. Like, he doesn't understand that this is kind of what... That was the exception rather than the rule for Don Bluth making fucking Secret of Nim. Yeah, but, you, but your entire filmography is just shit like, um, Fern Gully. Which is fine, I guess, but it's also just drawn to a dumb baby movie. I haven't seen The Secret of Nim for a while, but what I do remember from it is by far his best movie in that it has an actual serious tone to it. Yeah, it's it's a weird movie. Um, and then number 14 uh, is Sideways, which is uh, seems like a very strong... Uh, a lot of how he makes his movies is very similar to what Alexander Payne did. A lot of people sitting in a room cross-cutting back and forth between people talking and that seems to be like yeah i can see why he really likes that one because it's and he seemed to have grown up in that weird mid-2000s um indie film craze that's kind of why i think like charlie kaufman is such a huge influence on him as well yeah at least uh, charlie kaufman has a wacky style to him alexander payne is literally just like two people talking like sideways is literally just um Paul Giamatti and Thomas uh, Thomas Hayden Shorts just fucking having banter while getting drunk on wine. Yeah. Which is fine, I guess. I but, mean, if the writing yeah. is good enough, that's great. But I, I do like him as a writer, but if the audience is curious why half the fucking movies that ever come out now are essentially just like shot, reverse shot of two people talking, yeah, you can blame uh, Alexander Payne for that. Wow, yeah. <laughs> You know, you're not wrong. That's the sad part. Fuck. You know, he got Me too as well. No one ever brings that up. He's getting, like, this big gala premiere at TIFF. I'm like, didn't he sexually harass somebody recently? I guess that's okay. Yeah, well, that's, uh, yeah, that's that's more like the, uh, the rule more than the exception now. Like, who hasn't been Me too recently? Fucking hell. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so then it's Spirited Away, which, um, this film's interesting. The way it got popular was, um, Miyazaki had already been making movies for a long time in Japan, and that was the one that disney put the money behind it they bought the distribution a lot of people discovered him with that movie even though i i don't even think it's my favorite of his movies it's it's easily one of his weaker films i'd even argue you've got mononoke you've got nausicaa you've got so many other just better fantasy films that he's done and that one's just kind of like i don't know it never grabbed me the way it has so many people i don't like spirited away but as if you've seen like any anime film that's of course that's the one you're gonna yeah. pick it's, um, it's everyone's first miyazaki movie because again that was the yeah one it's, it's baby's first miyazaki yeah. yeah which is it's fine but and then 
Clockwork Orange is after that, which is <laughs> fucking bizarre. I mean, I'll say there's a lot of Kubrickian staring in Doug's video, so I can see that, that one getting on the list. It's definitely an notable Leafly. There's a lot of uh, Doug doing the NJ stare into the camera. It's very unnerving. <laughs> Uh, and then, and then this is the one that always fucks with me. It's a film called Fearless. It's a Peter Weir film from '93, and it's low budget drama about Jeff Bridges in a car accident. And I have no idea why it's on that list. I, I don't get it. It must speak something to him because I've never heard of this movie. If all the films to pick, you pick the one movie only five people have heard of. It'd be like picking Robocop Three as your favorite Robocop movie. <laughs> like, yeah, okay, then. Oh man, if you know that person, don't be friends with them anymore. Just, just, <laughs> that's, a, that's a bad. That's a bad deal breaker for me. But then after that, we have um, Citizen Kane, which is you know classic pick. It's a good movie, but yeah, it's a pretty, pretty, pretty simple, easy pick if you're writing the yeah. list. And then it's, the, it's the film people that aren't really into film know about. Oh, what's your favorite film? Uh, uh, Citizen Kane. I like Touch of Evil more personally. If, if we're going Orson Welles movies, fucking uh, Charlton Heston playing a Mexican, like Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's a weird movie. It's got an amazing one take terrorist bomb scene. It's amazing. Citizen Kane is fine, but it is very stereotypical film, bro. Yeah, uh, Citizen Kane is yeah. my favorite movie. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> And then it's uh, Fear Loathing Las Vegas, which is, um, wow, that's, I can see that one being a favorite of his, because it's, it's a wild fucking movie. I know he has done Raul Duke parodies and like, his very early videos, oh, which he, um, he, did he a probably whole, doesn't like thinking he, of it. He did a whole review of one of Don Blue, I think he did a review of, like, a fucking, one of Baby Movie or something. Yeah, the entire... fucking, uh, that dinosaur cartoon, yeah, I remember that now. I keep thinking that was Don Bluth, it wasn't. It was like that weird period of Spielberg been... was <laughs> yeah. producing garbage kids' movies. The 90s were a weird period for Spielberg, because you have Schindler's Lust in Jurassic Park, and also he's doing fucking Animaniacs and Pinky and the Brain. Like, yeah, yeah, okay. he, he was pretty much a brand at that point. He was like Hitchcock in the 50s. He, he oh, became yeah. a brand. You would sell something because Steven Spielberg's name was attached yeah. to it. Like, One of my favorite uh, 90s Spielberg stories is that he um, came very close to directing the uh, made-for-TV Doctor Who movie, oh. but that uh, that did not happen, sadly. Oh, that that would have been fun. Oh. Hell yeah. I know we talked about on our cruising episode, he almost did that movie. That would have been fucking mm. wild if he had... By the way, RIP to Mr. William Freakin, who has uh, just passed away today. Yeah, we've uh, we've talked about doing another one of his films in the future. We'll probably um, bump that up the uh, the timetable yeah. with um, with his passing. Um, yeah, very very sad. Yeah, fucking hell, great! Some of the best interviews you'll ever see with a filmmaker. But uh, so then it's the Dark Knight. By the way, this is one of two Batman movies on his <laughs> list. It's this and the Tim Burton film, and he. He, he we we'll get into it in, in just a few moments here, but he he really he has a real obsession with Batman. I think you and I have talked about this. The only reason he ever watched Chinatown is because when he was a kid, he saw Jack Nicholson in fucking Batman, and was like, "Who's this guy?" And then ends up watching like five all of his other films, like Five Easy Pieces in Chinatown, purely because he just saw him in this movie. That's a a rotting thread with uh, with Dog. That like the only reason he's seen half the movies that he has is because. Fuck that star from it was in some fucking babies movie from the 90s. Yeah. Uh, but then it's uh, Good Night and Good Luck, which is a George Clooney film about communism. It's shot in black and white. I have a feeling that's what uh, kind of made him do black and white stuff for Demo Reel as well. Like a lot of handheld, a lot of stuff like that. 
Yeah. Also, it doesn't help that um, even though he conned 200,000 from his fucking, uh, mm-hmm. from all his fans, that's uh, that's pretty much a drop in the bucket for, uh, if you want to make like a quote-unquote serious film series. Shane Carruth, like, made primer for the same amount of money and like had to, do, <laughs> had to do everything had to shoot it edit it score it it was a lot of work for the man but um then lost in translation which has always been a movie that's fascinated me and this this also comes up in demo reel as a massive influence um i was thinking about this while, while we were prepping this this movie is basically for weird antisocial girls what drive became for antisocial boys they just identified themselves so hard with scarlett johansson in that movie <laughs> Yeah, the Lost in Translation is uh, it was sort of like a proto-Tumblr movie. It was a thing for like, the pubescent girls can really get into, even though it's on paper. It's a film about Bill Murray traveling to Japan to get fucking drunk because his uh, career's on the fucking uh, not doing so hot. Yeah, no, it's a weird movie. And then Eyes Wide Shut, which this one really fucking sticks. Like, I don't think he's ever referenced this movie. You know, there's there's so many things in that movie. You, if you're gonna make shit jokes, that movie's a fucking goldmine for like backroom sex dealing and shit. I'm surprised he hasn't. He probably has. I just haven't noticed it. He probably has at one point, but it's one of those movies that he probably just like watched when he was a teenager, and the sort of the the whole point just flew over his head. He just thought it was like a cool looking movie. I mean, yeah, I mean, I believe it. Um, yeah, but uh, fuck, that one just weirds me out. Um, and then Batman, the Tim Burton film. And then mm-hmm. To Kill a Mockingbird is uh, the Gregory Peck film, which is a fine pick. It's a fine movie, you know. Gregory Peck's the, the strong man. I get it. I get the appeal of that one. And then Amadeus, which is, uh, again, and I, I fucking love to imagine a version of Amadeus where it's Doug Walker as F. Murray Abraham in the fucking mental hospital. <laughs> and, like, James Rolfe is fucking... Uh, Mozart, and he's just waxing politically to this priest about all his sins and his jealousy yeah. towards he's, this man. He's at the piano playing out the uh, nostalgic critic theme, and the priest is like, oh, um, I, I don't remember that, sorry. And then he bursts out the um, ABGN theme, and the priest is like, oh, that's, uh, that's ABGN, I remember that. <laughs> did, you, did, uh, did you do that? No, no, that was, that was James Rolfe. <laughs> Oh, because that, that's the thing. They had that weird feud back in, like, 2009. I firmly believe there was some real bitterness to it on Doug's part. Yeah, the AVGN is pretty much in the same spot that Doug is now. He's pretty much cursed to play that character till the end of time because his demented fans just refuse to let go of it. I think he's taken it better than Doug has. We'll get to that mm. when we get to his revival. It's, it's dark. Um... But then uh, number one is Brazil, the Terry Gilliam film, and I'm I'm a firm believer he's only seen the version of the film with the happy ending, because there's no way in hell he'd be able to handle the actual ending of that movie. It's interesting that there's two versions of that movie. They're the exact same, except from the ending. The ending of the uh, director's cut is probably one of the most depressing movie endings of all time. It's uh, very blackpilling. I'm very shocked 12 Monkeys isn't on here for one of Doug's movies, because it seems like Brad Pitt was channeling a lot of Doug Walker energy on that movie. His, uh, his character in 12 Monkeys reminds me of um, one of Doug's other characters, uh, Chester A. Bum, sort of pro-nostalgia critic. It's like, oh, what if uh, the nostalgia critic was like a wacky homeless guy? Wouldn't that be funny? We're going to kind of just kind of blaze through. To, to That's a good segue into his actual career. Before he started Nostalgia Critic, he 
He put out a video called the Melvin Brother of the Joker, <laughs> which um, if you have not seen this, it's, uh, I implore everyone to just stop listening to this and go and watch it. It's eight minutes long, and you will not make it through these eight minutes. I fucking promise you, it's one of the most excruciating YouTube videos I've ever seen. That was the first ever thing I saw from him, and I thought like, oh, this is just some, uh, this is just some like one-off dumb uh, like YouTube comedian that wants to be famous. Little did I know he would go on to become, at least for that five minutes anyway, one of the most famous faces on there. He wrote did like pioneer fucking talking about dumb movies. He pioneered talking about The Room. That wasn't yes. like a thing back then. People would make fun of it, but people didn't really like talk about it in the way that um, he did. No, it was a very underground thing. It had been, it had a bit of a following. Like Seth Rogen saw it when it came out and kind of did in-jokes, but Doug really helped make that mainstream. That's how I discovered it, too. Watched his shitty review of it. It was like, uh, what is this garbage? Yeah, he pioneered a lot of stuff as well. Like, he also, I firmly believe all of the homophobia with Batman and Robin started because of him. Uh, yes. He definitely played into that. Um, if you ever see that review where it's like, bat nipples and bat asses. So our heroes suit up for battle for the opening fight scene. And yes, those costumes come complete with bat nipples and bat asses. Alright, y'all know what's coming. The now that we got that joke out of the way, let's continue. Yeah, trying to find uh, early nostalgia critic is kind of hard because uh, Channel Awesome doesn't really have those anymore. You'd have to go into like Russian re-uploading sites if you want to see like, Batman and Robin or the early Shyamalan movies that he did. He also did other films, like he did a movie called The Garbage Pail Kids, which is a movie uh... that he very, like, that's a bad movie, but he responded into a way that was so intense that I have a theory that he got, because there's he did another thing called Doug the Movie. It was like a movie adaptation of some Disney show. And he, he basically lets it slip that he got bullied in school because he shared the name of this. Yes, indeed. For those who don't know, I have a particular hate for the cartoon series Doug. Not because the show itself is an ungodly boring waste of time, though that certainly doesn't help, but more that anyone growing up with the name Doug was constantly tortured by the fact that this show was about a wimpy, unpopular dork-a-doofus who coincidentally shared the same name. And I firmly believe one of those kids bullied him was a huge fan of the Garbage Pail Kids movie. There has to be some connection there, because you can't get this mad at a fucking stupid movie with puppets throwing up and pooping. It just doesn't seem like it's worth the energy. I would have gotten stupider watching this movie. Because uh, <laughs> I'm not convinced I didn't when I saw it as an adult. So imagine what it could do to me as a child, this little impressionable child that has the whole world you know, waiting for him, both the good and the bad. But I didn't think this bad. That's the word I can use to describe this film. Ugly! It, it, it every... The point of the film, I think, is supposed to be that no matter what you look like or how you act, I guess, that there's no such thing as ugly. Everyone should be accepted for how they look. I think is what they're trying to get across, possibly with other messages like a in the ass. This film is every definition of the word ugly. It is... The point of it was to prove that, you know, there's no such thing as ugly. This convinced me there is ugly. There is horrendously god-awful ugly in the world, and it's all compiled in this movie. 
of all the things to do, like, Dog is such a fucking, uh, like, obscure 90s thing. Yeah. The 90s was interesting for, um, for, like, cartoons, because in the 80s, every cartoon was purely just to, uh, to sell toys to children. Then you had the sort of weird renaissance in the 90s, Boomerang and Nickelodeon and shit, where it's like, yeah, let's just do that for advertising cartoons that people can, like, actually enjoy instead of like selling them to stuff and dog was like, very dry sort of boring like kids uh cartoon of all the things to get mad about fucking yeah dog the movie i'm reading through the list of videos here there's so many episodes he did and they all kind of blend together uh my absolute favorite here one that has just this stuck out to me this hit me like a train here top 11 hottest animated women mm. i must i must read this all done I gotta see which number what number one is here. Give me a minute. Let me guess. It's fucking Jessica Rabbit. It the same as uh, yeah, same as yeah, yeah. Of course, no creativity whatsoever. Oh, nah. oh, I should point out, um, Jasmine from Aladdin's on here. She's sixteen. Yep. So, uh -huh. <laughs> good. Good luck. Thank you. Good if, if your thing is fucking shit talking bad movies, do you really have to do that? Do you really have to do top 10 uh, hottest anime bitches? I don't think so. <laughs> like, 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 say whatever you want about this fucking podcast. I don't think we'd ever get to the point where we have to do something like that. Oh, I would, I would, I would end the show before we, if we had to do that. I'm not even I will pull the plug today. I don't give a shit. I have too much self-respect for myself. Oh, just, uh, just so many. And then another episode that really sticks in my craw is Jingle All the Way. Where he did a lot of, um, and this goes into demo reel. He takes a lot of pot shots at a Jake Lloyd, who, that's a sad fucking story. I don't know if you've ever seen interviews with him as an adult, but yeah, it, that destroyed him. And this asshole definitely played into that. Yeah, it's funny that uh, Doug won't talk to Star Wars prequels, but he'll go in and fucking uh, drink all the way. The dumb Arnold comedy from the 90s. <laughs> So during this time, he um, he's chugging along doing his show and, you know, racking up views. I know his video for It got 10 million views at the time, which is interesting because he wasn't on YouTube. He was on a site called Blip because, you know, he had a lot of copyright problems on YouTube because you, you can't really... Sh How he reviews movies is basically just showing the entire movie beat for beat. <laughs> That's basically what it was. Like, let's not mince fucking words about this shit. I mean, it was... So he went to this, like, startup site that had no rules. It was like what Twitter is now. Just fuck it. No rules. Post whatever you want. I don't give a shit. Yeah, this is the, uh, so the cowboy days of, uh, what copyright was. Very much post, not film movies, but like, a movie and scattered around it. If you're using it for uh, parody reasons, that was, like, his big, uh, thing. When he, when he starts getting big, he has blip, and he has his own uh, website, that guy with the glasses, which attracts a few other very interesting uh, quote-unquote critics. We'll get to that when we get to it. We've got everybody from narcissists to bread tubers to straight-up pedophiles. It's going to be fun mm. when we sit down and really talk about the people who went on this website. But during the heyday of his website, uh, 10, 2010, he releases his first film, which it, well, he... He did something before that in 2005, but that doesn't really count. It was like a 30-minute thing at an anime convention he filmed, so not really worth discussing in my book. He has, uh, like, three films to his name, and they're all varying degrees of shit. Uh, one of them in particular is, I'll say, hands down, one of the worst things I've ever fucking seen. It's 
I, I won't even say it's a movie. It's fucking. It's just we'll get to it. But goddamn. Yeah. So um. So he ends up uh reviewing. Uh, so he releases his first ever film, Kick Assia, which sounds awful. <laughs> that is a terrible name for anything. Just it sounds like a twelve-year-old boy's idea of a, a you know Kick Assia. And the the reason that this is interesting is because it is filmed in the state of Nevada on the um, on the grounds of a place called Molassia. It's like this micro nation. It's basically what if libertarianism was done correctly. This guy actually <laughs> fucking did it. Yeah, it's fucking uh, Gulch, Gulch, but uh, IRL. It's fucking... Um, have you ever seen the uh, Pretoria episode from uh, Early Family Guy? It's based like that. It's based, yeah. Some guy just fucking, like, essentially just secedes from the United States to have his own dumb micro-nation. Yeah, uh, my favourite thing, uh, this is something I noticed on the Wikipedia page while doing my little uh, research for this. Some asshole actually did this. The First Republic of Malassia was established in, 19, in September 3rd, 1999. The dictator of Kickassia was just proclaimed <laughs> on April 9th, 2010, with the Second Republic of Malassia taking over two days later. Some asshole put that on there. Yeah, probably dug himself to. Oh, probably. Uh, yeah, fucking. Uh, he has a very interesting habit of uh, scrubbing his um his history. But uh, yeah, fucking Kickassia is. Uh, if you've ever seen it, it's fucking weird because there's essentially two central locations. There's this fucking random guy's house, and then there's a fucking hotel room. That has like 20 people crammed into it. I have open here. Now, I'm going to put this in our... Uh, this is going to be a huge thing. I'm actually going to put this in the show notes for people to follow with. The not-so-awesome document. There's a lot mm -hmm. of information about the productions of these movies. And I take a lot of them pretty real. Because, I mean, it's 75 pages long. And it's pretty detailed. It's one of those things where it's like, I believe... Because just the amount of detail that's in this makes me believe a good chunk of it's real. You have some people that are... We'll try to defend Doug. There's a video of a guy, and I just want to bring this up because this 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 made me laugh hysterically. Uh, there's a video of a guy who basically he made like a bunch of videos viewing these movies and de defending Doug and saying this document's bullshit. His YouTube account name: The Almighty Lolly. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I have seen those videos and just going by name alone, I'm not in favor. I'm not usually in favor of the death penalty. But if you're fucking, uh, if your like chosen web name is the almighty, essentially the almighty pedophile, then you deserve like <laughs> to be locked in a fucking box forever. If I'm a judge and I see that in a piece of paper, I'm like, well, you're going to jail. This is, uh, <laughs> you're not even hiding this shit. Fuck. Yeah. We're going to make the, uh, the cube from cube for you one fucking lock you in. See how long <laughs> you last. That's what we should do. But, uh, yeah, so production problems. Uh, this, this has the vibe of, like, a Francis Colvin film. If, if anyone's ever seen Mystery Science Theater, they did three episodes on this guy who went out into the like, desert and filmed these no-budget movies for pennies and had to ADR all of his stuff in post. And this has the vibe of a Colvin Francis film right down to the, um, the bizarre... Like, again, the ADRing on the dialogue, because Doug has no idea that sound and video are usually recorded separately. And like, that's the thing. Also, the, the stunning lack of the stunning incompetence on a lot of these productions is for a guy who made his whole brand reviewing movies. He knows so little about actual film production. It's actually infuriating. You should really be allowed to criticize movies if you don't know what ADR is. ADR. It's like basic technique in filmmaking. I was saving, like, I was saving this for to boldly flee, but I'm just going to say it now because I got so mad when I read this. Um, so 
the director for the director of photography uh, went up to Doug when they were shooting one day and said, "Hey, you can't do the shot like this. It violates the 180 rule." And Doug <laughs> sits there like a fucking child and is like, "What's the 180 rule?" Mm. That like that's the first thing you learn like next to shot choices, like medium close up. This is basic shit. He doesn't even know that. And it how <laughs> Do you not know he, this shit? He, he thinks because fucking Kubrick uh, violates it all the time, especially in The Shining. He thinks he can just get away with it. Oh, that might be it. But even but even then, like Kubrick still knew what the one. That's why he was so him violating it was an artistic choice. Doug's just competent. Like, There's no really work equivalent of uh, Nicholson having that fucking conversation with the ghost in the bathroom. There's no real uh, like artistic um, relevant to that in like any of his movies. No. No, that's why that's what I love about his movies. There's no pretensions to them. It's actually just like dumb shit. Like him dressing up as George Shed and fucking firing off toy guns. I wouldn't say revealing, it's very honest, I would say. This is one of the more honest of the of, of the people we've covered. Uh but in terms of uh production problems, there's a couple here. There's not much here, but there's two here that I love. Um so during the scene where they raid Malassia, Rob Walker got a really bad nasty leg injury. Uh, spray and uh, Lord Cat spray twisted both his ankles and had to be written out of the movie and spend the rest of the time in this fucking Motel 6 they were staying at in Nevada. And yeah, for those that don't know, uh, Rob Walker is his brother. So, like, imagine you're like one of your siblings trips up and breaks something, you'd fucking panic, right? You'd be like, oh shit, uh, yeah. better rush him off to the hospital. Doug did not do that. So no. he, he never even crossed his fucking mind. I would say, though, Rob is kind of a slime ball, just for the little <laughs> yeah. reason. Uh -huh. Like, Doug's an idiot, Rob's an asshole. And there's a big difference between an idiot and an asshole, you know? Um, but yeah, and then um, they only had four days to shoot because I imagine this guy would not let these people on his fucking property for longer than that. It was yeah, I wouldn't really uh, want a guy called Jubario hanging around my kids. <laughs> Which, by the way, I just want to stress the name of these these people that were on this site. Jubario. What a name. <laughs> like a, That's like a fucking 4chan meme. <laughs> it's like a moderator for Stormfront or something. Like it's a, and then my, my favorite is a guy named Bennett the Sage, which sounds like a really woke 90s rapper. Like R&B Yes, Biggie Smalls, uh, woke French country, uh, Ben at the Sage. <laughs> and he's like a bad anime reviewer, which is even yeah. funnier. Yeah, it's, uh, my favourite by far is still uh, Film Brain, who's easily the worst out of all oh, of them. He's, is... the, he's the one that really irritates me, because he, he takes the whole shtick even more seriously than Doug. Yeah. And he's the, the worst part is when we get to Suburban Nights, he gets a huge role in it, because they had to fly uh... from the UK. And he is the most, he has no credit. His show is terrible too. He has a theme and this is, this is going to sound awful, but I have no other way to express this thought. It's his theme song of his show is like a wrestling theme for an autistic person. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. It's like, if you heard it, you're like, yeah, that I'm really sorry. I don't, I hate to be, I'm not trying to diss anyone, but he is, that is one of the worst songs I've ever heard. It's, it's horrific. <laughs> a lot of these theme tunes is, uh, it's not particularly great. Uh, Lankara's is uh, probably my favourite. He has like a 30 second long fucking opening on his, uh, all his dumb fucking comic book reviews and it's so self-serious and so epic. If you want to uh, get into your uh, very funny Lankara story. Oh yeah, one. so we were considering doing the, um, the top of the fourth wall, movie, which I just, 
I'm not watching it because it looks bad even by the standards, which is, uh, I'll put it like this, if the almighty pedophile wouldn't defend it on his show, it's probably fucking bad, so if you can't even get a kid diddler into this shit, that's not good, but, um, so my story with him was, uh, he has a really big hate boner for Rob Liefeld, he was a Deadpool artist, he apparently has a really weird, like, problem drawing feet, and an I know Lewis has a foot fetish, which kind of makes the complaint even funnier. You've ever seen any Rob Liefeld cartoon? The most famous is uh, that Captain America cover, yeah. where Captain America's like battle chest is fucking like it's like twenty inches. It's fucking ridiculous. He's... I know it's a comic book, but that that pose is literally impossible. It's you, you cannot pose like it's that. It's fucking awesome. But uh, so he has a hate boner for him. And I posted uh, one day, I was on Twitter, and I decided to fuck with Mr. Uh, Linkara. So I posted a side-by-side. -side. It was one of his Deadpool covers, and then the cover of Lightbringer, which is um, yeah. um, Linkara's little failed webcomic that he did. He went on a two-page tweet saying how I'm a bad person, and then he blocked me. Which Hell is, yeah. that's one of my favorite days I've had on Twitter. I don't have many days I remember. That's one I'm like, god damn, I got the fucking... Yeah. I'll top the fourth wall, asshole, and block me on Twitter. Say whatever you want about Doug, but at least he can take all those only plays uh, jokes on his chin. Yeah. He's very like, yeah, yeah, it's, people make fun of me, so what? But I mean, uh, if you make fun of any of those other people, the nostalgic, she had like three uh, Twitter exoduses. Uh, her last one, which I remember watching in real time, was over some fucking dumbed uh, Disney kids movie yeah, not that long ago which is, she had the problem where she got too big for her britches and she made the horrible decision to get mad at both Disney adults and get into YA writing which yeah that's uh, oh boy you're you're playing with fire sweetheart you can't do that but yeah she's uh, she's on some super obscure website now you can just post your uh, your awesome takes on the latest movie and get money for it that way. Uh, but, well, um, because we're kind of talking about all the rough characters, we may as well get into the last two we have. Um, uh, Mr. Jew Warrior, let's just pull that <laughs> fucking... Let's pull this monster out. That would never not make me laugh. That's so it. great. Uh, but what he did, it's not so funny because I have a no, good laugh. No. Like, so he was like a Mr. Rogers type wholesome character for the website. Um, he yeah, did, he was like a, he was like one of the many epic gamer characters. He did, he reviewed like Japanese NES games, which were actually kind of cool, did a bunch of like anime stuff, was, keeps his private life separate, he was married. In 2014, he committed suicide. He, he went into a bathroom and shot himself, and there was a lot of um, grieving around the site, there was a lot of like emotional thing, and you know, it's, guy kills himself, that's rough. But then, around the time the Not So Awesome document comes out, there's a little thing in there that uh, Channel Awesome covered up for one guy who was accused of sexually abusing people at conventions. So they ended up, po what happened was they ended up posting like a response and they didn't redact his name properly. Mm -hmm. So they basically found out, JC, what does that mean? Oh no. Yeah. And what made it even worse was there was a, like, when uh, someone went on Reddit and told about their experiences of like how he drugged her and raped her and it's a different person from who's in the document. So there's two confirmed victims. And there's also one of the last videos he posted. It's a video of him like interviewing a kid. He's just like a 10 year old girl. And it's one of the most upsetting things I've ever seen. Cause he's like leering at her. It's like when Bill Cosby was on that show where he was with Sofia Vergata. It's just one of those like, knowing what you did and how you're acting here is like the most uncomfortable shit I've ever seen. Griffith on um, like wholesome core guys before, but this is the ultimate fucking, example. Yeah, this is like, yeah, the pinnacle of it. You go from talking about fucking uh, 
wacky Japanese NES games to the uh, yeah that's uh, he had like good. his his quote cat girl army that they're yeah, really uh... and here's the thing also is that I know there's more victims that have not come forward because around the time someone went on a forum one of his victims posted about how he abused her and they all unanimously harassed her basically saying you're accusing a puppy dog of murder and then watch like five minutes later oh no we uh we regret to inform you this guy more. is actually a pedophile there has to be fucking more like that's what gets me the bodies haven't even been dug up yet there's so many more that we'll never know about it's, it's fucking this horrible. is like something out of the pedophile episode of brass eye we shot a pedophile into space and uh, breaking news: A child was uh, was on that flight. This is the the exact opposite of what we wanted to happen. My favorite from that was the one where, like, uh, just to go off topic, it was the we there's a pedophile in a neighborhood disguised as a house. And I have a CTV <laughs> shot of this house just rolling through the fucking street. It's one of the uh, fucking things. Yeah, fucking trust Morris, man. You, you, you are a prop of the nineties. Oh, he was Goddamn. so good. But then also uh, the last guy we'll talk about, because everyone else is kind of whatever. It's kind of also rands. They have no real charisma. But the one guy most, the the guy who I find the most compelling is a man by the name of Spoonie One, Mister Noah Antler, mm. who was, I believed, had things not gone the way they did, he could have been bigger than Doug because he had a very good. He had a very good format. His girlfriend broke up with him around 2009 and began, he began like a fucking death spiral. It, it was noticeable and deeply upsetting. Like my, one of the examples where it comes ahead is the, he does a vlog of like Twilight 4, one of the Twilight movies, and he's in his living room on the floor and he has like liquor bottles everywhere and he clearly sounds like he's drunk and he openly admits he hasn't slept in like several days. I haven't slept in 36 hours. Oh, sorry. And I so didn't want to go see this movie, because the last three years, Scarlett and I would go to see these movies, and they were like the they were like the best date nights we ever had was was these fucking movies because they were so fucking funny. I, I, I seriously have an emergency store of booze. Like <laughs> I don't I don't drink I, I don't. Like, you could, you, you've probably seen, like, everyone's gone drinking at the crossovers and shit like that. Like, I, I don't drink. I, 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 I'm just not a, I never got into it. But, like, I keep some around for guests and because, like, there might be a day when I, I need a, I physically need a drink. And this is, like, I... Something has clearly happened to this man to have him go off the deep end, and it is. I would say he's like one of the few genuinely tragic characters from yeah. uh, from that website. I, I another uh, tragedy with him was uh, this is something that you're not really allowed to talk about in his circles. Um, his brother was a cop, and they both lived in Arizona. Now, his I bring up that for a reason. His brother shot and killed an undocumented immigrant, uh, which is unfortunate. But his boss was a man by the name of Mr. Joe Arpaio, who yeah. went public and said Mr. Antweiler did a great job for the community. I imagine getting praised by Mr. Arpaio after everything that's come out about him will probably fuck you up as well. My yeah, for was... a, a recurring character, Joe Arpaio, there, the guy that fucking uh, has a nice little relationship to uh, Steven Seagal, friend of the show. The guy who uh, Human Centipede 3 is based on. Yes, yes. So I'll, I'll, I'll say that yeah. much. He's a bad man. Bad, bad man, but yeah, yeah. Uh, he's had a rough life. He's also in like a couple car accidents. I think he got a DUI. He's he's had a rough life, this poor man, and he doesn't even post anymore. Like he, he's nah. on Twitter complaining, but 
I don't know. It's just he, he. I would say get help, but I think that rope that boat left a long time ago. A lot of the CAD sort of uh, from that still post, like when CAD are still post complaining about fucking dumb comic books from the eighties. But Spoonie is like, really the only one to like just give up the ghost. Like yeah, this talking about this this stuff really just isn't worth it anymore. I mean, I, I understand it. I mean, I get it, but I feel bad for it. But yeah, uh, but yeah the, now we've had that. Now we know the players involved, and we've done Kick-Ass here. We're going to get into Suburban Knights, which is um, yeah. really... No, this is... Uh, this is. I tried re-watching this as uh, quote-unquote research for this, and I got like 15 minutes in before I turned it off. I, I take the same view that um, you did with The Flash. I got to the part where... Um, Drew Barrio comes out dressed as uh, David Bowie from Labyrinth. I'm going to go insane if I keep watching this. By the way, Drew Barrio coming out with the big cod piece is one yeah, of the most yeah, upsetting no. shots you'll ever see. It's awful. Yeah. Uh, but it's really the it's the least interesting of the bunch. It's probably the most competent of the bunch, which makes it the least interesting. Like At least with Kigassia, there is a level of sheer incompetence to it that is... Almost yeah, charming. The, the, the fact that Doug like didn't know how second units work, he literally shot that from like start to finish. Yeah, oh yeah, real quick, just go back to that. We got a little sidetrack talking about everyone involved, but um the he also didn't know how catering works. He made everyone <laughs> pay their own way. Um and poor Spoonie and Lindsay, the nostalgia chick, had to supply water for the people because they're filming in the fucking desert of Nevada where it's hot. <laughs> And he's like, oh, whatever. Like, I don't even know we had to get water. And it's just, and he filmed it in sequence, not because story would demand it, but because he's just incompetent and doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. For a guy who's like seen a million movies, you'd think he'd know how second unit were. He should have just got his brother to do second unit stuff in the hotel, fucking save time. But no, he has, he has four days to film this fucking like two hour long movie. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, but Suburban Nights. This had even. This is when this is when production problems start to become a little more. They start to become more detrimental. Excuse me to the project. Before the film starts shooting, uh, there was a lot of weather because it's Chicago and it rains and it's windy. So Doug thought about just scrapping the movie. Like, let's just do something else. Fuck this bullshit. And everyone rallied around and said, no, let's do it, Doug. Let's make this film. After this moment, this will be the last uh, and only time there'll be any genuine joy on these productions. So whoever that person was who helped him get together, you fucked up. We've got to, uh, we've got to make this uh, film work. Poor film brain flew 20 hours just to fucking, um, fucking dress up as Harry Potter. Uh, it's awful and i yeah. it's awful awful there's a bunch of problems on set the plot none of the plots of these movies make any fucking sense right? when, when, when liam means set he means filming outside because half this movie is actually just like set by a roadside <laughs> yeah this is this has the most um this is there's definitely more locations so there's uh there is a scene where someone was duct taped to a wall and um yeah, they didn't know how to get her down from the, from the fucking duct tape. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, that's a big, big problem. Like I said, no catering. Um, Doug didn't have enough vehicles to bring people out to the set, so people had to use their own shit. Um, there was also um, there's also a scene in the movie that has burrowed itself into my brain like cancer, where they're at a children's playground doing a fight scene, and there is a woman and her child that are being hijacked by these lunatics to be in the movie. Mm. It's fucking insane. My daughter would like to play on the playground, please. But we're 
Fighting for the fate of mankind. Humanity, uh, stuff. I don't care what your little D&D friends are doing. This is a public playground, and my little girl wants to play. Oh, come on! She's way too old to be in a playground. What, does she believe in Santa Claus, too? <laughs> Get off now! Poor lady has no idea what's going on, and she's being held high. Imagine this 35-year-old man dressed as Link. Please, can we borrow your child? You're like, get away from me, yeah. you crazy person. Yeah, imagine taking your fucking kid out on a on a nice day to the park and these fucking freaks dressed up as Dungeons and Dragons characters come to film their gay little movie. And, uh, I, I, I would never let my child fucking walk outside again by himself, let's just say that. Oh, fuck yeah. I, I'm breaking, I'm buying it. This is why open carry is so popular in the United <laughs> States. Because of shit like this. Yeah, I'm getting one of those uh, dog reads for my children. I'm never letting, uh, never letting Timmy out of my sight again. Doug has no idea how to write original content, so there are entire chunks of this movie where they do the entire ending of Wrath of Khan beat for beat with Doug's weird Indian friend who just showed up occasionally in videos. Yeah, I remember Matty folks were, uh, were bringing him back. They literally uh, do the fucking end of Wrath of Khan beat for beat. It's offensive. It's so offensive to me. It's like, how dare you? Yes. Ship. Out of danger. Yes. Don't grieve, critic. It is magical. The needs of the many outweigh. The needs of the few. Shut up, I'm talking. Oh, sorry. Don't grieve, Admiral. It is logical. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Of my friend, I can only say this. Of all the souls I've ever met on my travels, his was the most... hearty. Of my friend, I can only say this. Of all the souls I have encountered in my travels, his was the most human. And it's so funny because, like, you've been watching this absolutely stupid fucking rid ridiculous movie full of bad jokes and shit, and all of a sudden it's trying to be serious, and it just does not fucking work at all. Yeah, I know the uh, final half hour gets weirdly reflective. It's that weird period when Doug is, like, starting to fall out of love with that character. He yeah. actually has to be egged on by the fucking nostalgia chick to continue, which is uh, very funny in hindsight. Yeah, she's tried everything she can to disassociate herself, <laughs> even though she had her fingers in every every orifice of that fucking thing. It was... She was, she was trying her best to make that work, and... And now she does like shit. Well, she used to do shit bread tube videos. Now. There, there is like a lot of like dumb referential shit. To boldly flee is probably the most egregious example of that uh, before, because it is watching just characters from other movies. Uh, real quick, uh, I want to bring up this is what I think really made Doug want to fucking not do the nostalgia critic anymore. I think he reviewed Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, the, the the remake with Mara Wilson in it, and mm. he was very mean to her in that video and. I think when after that video came out, a bunch of his like idiot kid fans found her and started harassing her, and she took him down to size. She called him an asshole and just broke him down. I heard you've been saying some pretty nasty things about me. 
Oh, hey, forget it, Missy. You knew what you were doing back then as a kid. If you didn't want people like me making fun of your work, you wouldn't have chosen so many crappy movies. I don't care how old you were. So you think kids should be held accountable for what they film, no matter what their age? Damn right, sister! Because I came across some interesting videos from a little town called Bothell, Washington. Bothell, Washington? Yes, of a certain internet critic who made movies when he was a young lad. Ah, isn't it wonderful? Oh my god, I thought I had these birds! I'll tell you what the problem is. We are aliens. Just look at those performances. So restricted, so reserved, truly the epitome of subtlety. Shut up. And just look at those glasses. Only a true master of character would wear something so hideously embarrassing. You're a regular Daniel Day-Lewis. Shut up! And how brave of you to go with those braces. Tell me, was it meant to look like your teeth were eating over them? Shut up! The acne is a nice touch, too. I bet you purposely never showered just to get that effect. It was the owl during the grunge era! None of us did! Oh, and you must have been a fan of my work. We have the exact same hairstyle. Damn you, Mara Wilson! Unnatural! Unkind! He was startled by that. He clearly was not prepared for that at all. That was like him realizing, oh shit, I've been bullying people for years and not really... Because he reviews films in such a callous way. And like the minute someone comes forward like, hey, your asshole fans harass me. He's not prepared to deal with the real life consequences of what he's done. So I think that... That leads into Demo Reel, particularly those last three episodes where it becomes nakedly obvious how he feels about this character. Yeah, he doesn't have the uh, the bravery of a Nick Morgan when he makes yeah. fun of uh, Mario Wilson. It's just, I remember watching that on Twitter, like fucking um, when Morgan was trying to recover from Mr. Like, 100th Twitter ban, he got into a fight with fucking Mario Wilson. I don't care, or fucking Matilda's trying to dab on me, who cares? But fucking Dog can't let that slide here, like. No. Yeah, sort of retreat into his own little shell when he, uh, when he gets verbal pushback. Yeah, but yeah, so to, to get into this, we, we're now talking about To Boldly Flee. This movie is, uh. okay, I, first thing is first. I gotta bring this up. This is the runtime of this piece of shit. Um, by the way, I love the fact this film still has an IMDb page. This had a letterbox page yeah. for like the longest time and they took it down. I think Doug forced them to. Yeah, all three of those movies, but they were occasionally be on letterbox, but because they're getting fucking hate bombed constantly, the cowards keep taking them down. Yeah. Damn it. All right, yeah. so yeah, Tsuboli Flea is three hours and 29 goddamn minutes long. Jesus Christ. Yeah, this is longer than Seven Samurai. This is longer than <laughs> fucking... You could watch The Godfather Part 2 and you would be done before this movie was over. It's That's ridiculous. I remember watching this in uh, parts when it came out. It's like a 12 part series back in fucking, oh. what was it, like 2016 or something? It was 2012. Could... It was 2011 or yeah. 12. It was near yeah. that weird period. You could tell this is supposed to be the final movie because it's so self indulgent fucking uh, Mecha Cara. The one Cara is like one of his uh, dumb dog shit characters makes an appearance. It's all very. Um, it's basically the Avengers Endgame of Channel Awesome. It very much feels like a finale in a way, which is kind of hilarious considering what will happen after this is over, after this thing ends. But yeah, it's fucking way too long. All filmed in Doug's house, I think. After you know, I feel like that woman must have filed a complaint or something. All right, no more outside shooting. It's all in my house. This production is fucking nuts. This is 
This is like Texas Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> levels of uncomfortable, this production. Like, at least Tobe Hooper made a half-decent movie out of the hell he put those people through. This is different, but... Okay, so this is a three-and-a-half-hour movie. It was shot in six days. Mm. Six fucking days. And that includes, like, they would start production at 6 a.m. and they wouldn't be done till 4 a.m. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, fucking hell. And there's no real reason for that. Like, no! I, I can't imagine studio executive is briefing down your neck to get this fucking dumb internet movie out in like a week's time. What gets me is the fact that it took them six months to write the script. Why couldn't it take you six months <laughs> to shoot the fucking thing? I mean, I, I did not know that it really took six months to write fucking uh, Mecha Cara teams up with uh, General Zod to take over the <laughs> it world. It took them six, that, that took months, six months to do that. To yeah. write this fucking thing. It's ridiculous. It just, there's so many other things as well. Like, like, and there was stuff that didn't actually make it into the final script. There's one piece I read where they had a character that was supposed to be, like, cool Jar Jar Binks. Mm. And it just sounds like the worst fucking idea ever, so I'm glad they didn't go through with that. But, oh, there's just so many fucking horror stories of this film. Um, so, uh, again, no one was ever going to pay their own way. No one was given any accommodations or food or anything like that for a fucking almost 24-hour day. Are you fucking... Like, that's abuse at that point. That's, that's not even incompetence. This sounds more like fucking uh, Apocalypse now, now that I think about it. Like, these poor people are just trapped in the fucking Amazon at, at the mercy of this fucking lunatic. I would say it's more like Fitzcarraldo, where he's like a fucked up <laughs> Werner Herzog. Like, we must yeah, pull it up! <laughs> yeah, who's the uh, Klaus Kinski of the, uh, of the channel? Awesome definitely, definitely Spooning. Yeah, Which, yeah. by the way, he's in this film, and um, there's a story yeah, behind his his firing is, is also kind of it's tragic, but it's hilarious to me because it's I love when people melt down on social media. So he made like an off-colored rape joke on Twitter, and one person took offense to it, and he had a complete public meltdown, threatened to kill himself and shit. And uh, this happened while Doug was on his honeymoon. <laughs> Yeah, could you imagine getting that phone call? You're in the middle of having romantic dinner with your wife, and the fuck yeah, the sirens start going off. <laughs> yeah, Rob calls you. Hey, uh, Noah's literally threatening violence uh, against all of us. Could you get on a call with us? We have to discuss what to do about this. It's it's a comedy of errors, even though he's clearly going through something very bad. But I just think that's funny as shit. I'm sorry. To briefly as um, the last Channel Awesome movie, that's the last time any of those people were basically in the same room together. Oh, yeah. The, the fucking... Um, all the uh, Change the Channel shit happens like shortly afterwards, and then there's this fucking mass exodus away from the channel. Everyone involved has horror stories about this movie. Another One of my other favorite examples of Doug incompetence while well, the making of this was going on, because he thought now that he had a lighting crew and an actual director of photography, he thought production would go faster. <laughs> you know, even though half of, most of the time when you're on a film set, it's just setting up shit. Very little, like you'd be shocked how much actual footage gets filmed in a day. On a, on a decent-sized production. Again, you've seen a million movies, but you don't know basic camera setups and lighting setups. Are. At the same time, it's it's a fucking dumb internet movie. Like, I can imagine that much fucking effort would go into it, but at the same time, like, why is this fucking three hours? Because why why does this need to be, like, the same fucking runtime as The Irishman? 
I I firm believe Doug's a bit of a narcissist. He really does believe he's making his like, grand seven samurai epic with this movie. And <laughs> one of the other things about the production, there's just so much fucking amazing shit in this document where the production was going so bad and Doug didn't know. Doug was on cloud nine the entire shoot. Just having all the time is like, so Rob has to take him into another room like a fucking six-year-old and explain to him, hey, everyone in this set hates you and wants to kill you. Just to want to bring that up to you. That that becomes a running theme with Doug uh, quite a few times. You'd be shocked. Yeah. That comes up again later. People literally have to take him into the room and say, you're tanking our website with your dumb bullshits. Uh, that becomes really egregious with demo reel. <laughs> his, his real fucking passion project almost killed the website. It's amazing. But the, we'll just get through this uh, here with them. But there's so many other great pieces here that I love. So Noah was supposed to do, because there's a lot of big like CG, like CG effects in this movie. Well, they're not yeah, big the plot CG effects. Of the plot the plot well, by the way, one thing I also love is um the, the opening of the film is like, Doug's on house arrest because there was that Bill Sopa that was supposed to come into effect. And I firmly believe that Doug thinks he's the reason SOPA happened. That seems to be his takeaway. He's very much like, oh, because <laughs> of me, Congress. Could you, can I remember they went to Congress to complain about this? Could you imagine being a fairly uptight Republican senator? Meanwhile, fucking Linkara and his fedora and fucking sweater vest is going to come. <laughs> yeah, the fucking, uh, your agit pie trying to clamp down and dumb internet parodies and the light bringer suddenly fucking bursts into you, bursts into your fucking room. <laughs> the light bringer will take down evil government yeah. corruption. I don't know how to fucking do that. Uh, it's hilarious. Also, I love this. Also yeah. a piece of it in this where this old man who shows up in front of a green screen and he's never seen again and i love to imagine they just got someone's alzheimer's written old like parent to come in because he doesn't sound like he knows where the fuck he is he's like uh okay sure fuck yeah that seems to be uh, another rotting thread of his movies the uh the brief moment i glimpsed of um suburban nights also just has some like random old man pop up to uh to spout exposition yeah, yeah he's in that too i guess Maybe yeah. he's Doug's dad or something. I don't know. I yeah, don't, probably. I don't give a shit. I guess it's not important. But uh, there's so many. So Spoonie is fired because uh, he was going to do the special effects. There's a lot of uh, CG effects. This is easily the most pro like post-production heavy of all the movies. And Noah was going to do it. And they hired Phalus to come in. To, had to take over. Uh. And he was like, can you do the 2D animation as well as the 3D animation? Not understanding that's a completely different fucking skill set. That's like asking a painter, can you sculpt this too, you know? <laughs> I mean, Michelangelo could do it, you can do it too, right? The great Phelous and his uh, Mountain of Mortal Kombat videos, oh, which are still on YouTube. God, he's still around too. He's still posting <laughs> garbage. He used to do like horror movie reviews. Yeah. I remember he did a video of like, a movie called like, Abaton Transfusion, which features a scene where a zombie... This is going to be horribly graphic for no reason, I apologize, but... There's a scene in the movie where a zombie rips a baby out of a woman's uh, belly and eats it like an apple. And his response to that is to play goofy music over it, which is like, okay, yeah, that's, a, good. that's weird. <laughs> okay. Wholesome core guy seemingly getting joy out of watching this, but oh, <laughs> it's really fucking uh, weird. It makes no sense to me that he did that. But that is the pivot I wish fucking uh, Dog took when he uh, brought the Nostalgia Critic back in uh, 2016. Reviewing actual serious movies like The Night Porter and shit. He's oh. still doing dumb skits, but he's talking about like Shinra's list in fucking actual movies. He, he should do a, like a Michael Haneke retrospective. He does, he just remakes <laughs> funny games. 
Oh, hell just yeah. do that? Oh, fuck. He's, he's fucking dressed up in uh, old white shorts and fucking, like, Michael Pitt, yeah. He recreates the ending of the, the piano teacher, where he just stabs himself <laughs> in the throat. Yeah, that's, he uh, gets the nostalgia click back to uh, piss in his face, yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> that'll be the final uh, episode from him. Oh, you know what? I want Irreversible, the Gaspar Noah movie. <laughs> that would be awesome. There's always so many, like, bad 90s uh, kids' movies you can shit on before you actually have to start talking about real movies. The problem is he tried that with The Wall, but that fucking failed yeah. miserably, but we'll get to that. Um... Yeah. Oh, boy. So, to boldly flee comes and goes, and the the end of it is basically the nostalgic critic coming face-to-face with Dog Walker. Yeah. This whole, like, dumb meta-narrative bullshit. I feel like he watched Inland Empire and wanted to do that or something. Because <laughs> it feels very much Lynchian in the, like, the way he portrays himself, the way that whole sequence is done. It's weirdly... It's almost like surreal horror. It's fucking bizarre for this stupid movie where we're just doing the end of Star Wars for no reason. It's still on YouTube. I don't recommend watching it, but it's like a very funny time piece of a movie. Also, um, Colin Mockery's kid is in it. Oh. <laughs> uh, Pre-transitioned. Yeah. Which is so awkward, man. Oh, I, yeah. It's this... always uncomfortable for me to do that. Like... I watch. I tried watching a Hard Candy recently with Elliot Page, mm. and that's weird yeah. shit, man. Yeah, in hindsight. In hindsight, it's fucking weird, but, um, but yeah, no, it's a, And then there's another one. I think her name was Jesse Otaku. You know, he's a boy now. <laughs> yeah, that's a weird name as well. He's a boy yeah. now. He's doing himself, his own thing. Good for him. Yeah. Otaku is uh, a lot less sus than uh, Lolly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. Wait, not, so, uh, not every. Just to continue that not every one who likes anime is a pervert scumbag but all pervert yeah. scumbags love fucking anime so oh yeah that's uh... seems to be the takeaway so to boldly flee ends and this is where things get fucking weird this is why i wanted to do this because this part of his life it's it's not good but it's so darkly fascinating there is a psychodrama going on here that is more compelling than anything he's ever done where if you watch the video he did like announcing demo reel he seems so happy so content <laughs> because he's done he know he thinks he's done with this character he'll never have to touch that fucking hat and tie again and, and she's gonna school you and she's gonna turn to the devil and she her eyes are gonna glow and stuff like that it's gonna be this huge thing i mean it's it it's a great job where you can uh <laughs> that can come true and that can happen and, and it's a great world where people like that can agree to it and say yeah let's let's do this because it's funny and it's just it's it it's a joke that just puts me in a good mood um on top of just making me laugh it just puts me in a good mood just knowing just knowing this world is so strange that stuff like that could happen um so i think i've gone on long and long enough uh, next week, you are going to see the first episode of Demo Reel. That'll be coming out to you. It'll be a special uh, one-hour episode. And, uh, yeah, I've had a lot of fun talking about these and talking about the nostalgia critics and all that good stuff. And uh, hopefully you guys like what's coming up next. So, um, hope everything's going good in your lives, and I shall talk to you later. He announces it's going to be the new show. It's going to just, nostalgia critic is over demo reel which is a bad call to begin with because like you could totally do these two projects on the side you don't have to cancel one in favor of the i think it was just done with the character yeah. in general because if you watch the behind the scenes of double rifle he's very much into it but you can tell like he just wants to put that character to bed and move on so this was like a passion project he wanted to do this back at like 
2005, <laughs> I think. Was uh, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the, this is, yeah, this is, is, uh, this is, this so is where his real passion lies. Fucking dumb sketch this, comedy. This is so tragic, this part of the story. <laughs> 2005. This has been almost a seven year in the making of, man. Fucking hell. But, uh, so it, it's announced this is a show called Demo Reel. And it is, it's awful. The first two episodes are unwatchably terrible they are yeah. they are some of the worst we played uh, um the supervillain shuffle that's i, just I remember taste. the supervillain shuffle was the last thing i saw from him because i was like kind of curious um to see what his post to boldly free uh career would look like and then i saw the supervillain shuffle and i was like yeah i'm uh I'm washing my hands of this. That's when I really don't need to see any more of this. Yeah, no, I was already long gone at this point. I had discovered zero punctuation. I was like, wait a minute, this guy actually is funny and has like good comedic timing. I don't need to go back to Mr. Doug Walker anytime soon. The guy left just before Tiboli Flea came out, so it was so weird watching this, having been off the fucking thing for so long. Oh, but uh, to, to fund this project, um, he pronounced, we kind of alluded to this earlier, the $200,000 Indiegogo campaign that he raised. We've been working hard to collect costumes, props, and all sorts of goodies to make more productions that you're not supposed to see. And we want to get them to you faster. So your money will not only go to fund this one game show, everything will go into getting our productions to you faster and better. Higher quality cameras, lights, soundproofing, starting with our weird ass game show. And with the additional money we have, don't worry, we have stretch goals, which you can see below. All of them dedicated to getting you even more shows. One of the next ones being a video game game show. Video game game show. It probably won't be called that. Now you're embarrassing yourself, you geriatric fuck! And he also produced at the time a, sh a thing called Pop Quiz Hotshot, which is again, a mm. which, okay, th this is hilarious. So they reshot the pilot three times because it was just so bad every time. It just, everything went wrong. And they had to release the show because Indiegogo was threatening to investigate him for fraud. This is the, uh, the early period of crowdfunding when people still don't really know like, the ins and outs of it. The fact that Doug can essentially scam his fans out of, um, $90,000, which is a fuck ton of money to make a fucking luxury act show in his fucking basement. Brad Walker, the uh, cinema snob, was supposed to be the original host of that. He does one episode and then fucking backs out. Brad, fucking Doug has to take over Brad, uh, hosting Brad, duties. Brad Jones is probably oh, yeah, Brad Jones, the only yeah. guy on this website this, that had any these people blend into one after yeah, a while. Yeah, he's the only one I, I actually think had any charisma. And also, I'm a big exploitation hound, so I enjoyed his like, early reviews. Women's Prison Massacre, Riccio, those were fun, because I was like... Yeah. He did all those uh, Pierre Kirby um, movies yeah. as well. I, I remember those. He, my favorite was when he used to review uh, parody, porno parodies. Like, he did the Beaver Buttface video, which is fucking mm -hmm. weird as shit. But he's also kind of a shit person, too, considering he's... After all the harassment stuff came to light, he still was like, I'm still friends with Doug. Which, yeah, his, if, you, if you go onto the uh, That Guy with the Grasses website now, it mostly is just the nostalgia critic and uh, cinema snob. And Jew Wario for some reason. No, um, <laughs> Guru, Guru Larry, excuse me. The, yeah, Guru Larry. Uh, yeah. He's only there just for shits and giggles. Yeah, yeah then between uh, making uh, jokes about wanting to uh, like hate fuck Peter Molyneux, he's uh, a. <laughs> <yeah. laughs> 
Oh, that actually got, uh, that, that, that got, got a chuckle out of me. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> the word hate fucking is so graphic and, and, and it really paints a picture. Yeah. So. It, it really is like half of good or Lardy's video was I'll just hate rants about fucking Peter Moller, dude, the Fable guy. Yeah. But yeah, Fable 3 was not good, but at the same time, like, yeah. This... Peter Molyneux gets excited and denounces shit that won't happen, you know. <laughs> he was also a guy who got in trouble for crowdfunding. He funded that game, um, Oh yeah, that fucking uh, mobile game that I don't even know if that actually came out or I, not. He had to post like a video, and I remember when this came out, and I'm in a boardroom with two other guys, and they're basically announcing, yeah, we fucked up, we're not releasing the game anymore. Yeah, say what if you want about uh, Mighty Number no. 9. At least that yeah, that actually came out. Yeah, it came out like it was garbage, but at least it came out. But Demo Reel comes out, and um, it's... To say it was poorly received would be like saying, you know, I don't know, fuck, it's, it was badly received. I can't even come up with a joke. Yeah, that's how it's it fucking, uh, yeah, like the Titanic was, uh, you know, it was a, it was a tragedy, you know, yeah. that's fucking understatement of the century. Oh, Dog had to be, uh, actually taken into a, a separate room from when he robbed and caused by his brother okay. and showing a fucking draft. Yeah, um. Our viewership is like down to the fucking low tens because of your dumb passion project. Yeah, like you have to remember, like, it wasn't just like, a bad show. This was actively tanking the website. They were in the red because of how badly <laughs> this was doing. Because some people wouldn't watch any other things on that site. They would just go watch the Nostalgia Critic. And with that gone, there's no reason to go back there. So you've effectively cut a leg off and yeah. you're hobbling around here and it's a... It, and it's, it's it's not as if you're replacing it with something better, you're replacing it with the dumb skit comedy from the nostalgia critic. Yeah, like, none of the fucking glue that holds that together. Somehow even less funny, which is terrifying. Mm -hmm. But yeah. the thing about Demo Reel, it, it's interesting, once you get past those, those first two episodes are garbage. They are fucking awful. But when you get to episode three, it, it's something changed. Something clearly changed in production because it gets really fucking weird after this point um so the episode uh the third episode which is basically he does gay lost in translation and yeah he uh he fucks eagle raptor from game grumps which is uh, <laughs> uh boy another company that has a lot of uh, skeletons in their closet do not google john tron's political affiliation if anyone, yeah. especially where he comes from too which makes it even worse <laughs> It's like Jesus Christ, man! Uh, you got red pilled so hard, you want to kill it yourself. God damn! But, oh uh, boy! But uh, yeah, so demo reel. Uh, yeah. So the episode is um, it's lost in translation. I make a mention, and it is so weirdly self-reflective. It's it's almost uncomfortable to watch because there's points in this where Doug starts talking to um i can't even remember the guy he's fucking or something because he he fucks ego they literally just do the end of lost in translation where when burl murray has sex with that older woman it creates a weird strain in the relationship they just do that with ego raptor but he's they're having these conversations in like the hotel bar and they get very personal to the point where i don't think they're scripted i really do think this is doug just venting his feelings and have you ever heard of slash fix it, it, kind of. Is that where they put two people that yep. shouldn't belong together together, essentially? Scully, ex Mulder. You want to know a sad fantasy of mine? I've always dreamt that one day somebody would do a slash pick of me. With whom? Not you. You, you. 
you reach this height of popularity that suddenly it's like, oh, hey, people are doing slash pick of you. I mean, yeah, I think it's weird. I don't even know if I read it, but I mean, it'd just be flattering to know what's out there. Is there any slash pick of you? <laughs> I've never seen him be this vulnerable ever in anything he's ever done. And it's it's not good, but it's fascinating to me. I actually watched these for the first time as a research for this. Yeah, I forced you to. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you did, because episode three is like, again, it's not good, but it's like genuinely interesting. Oh. Doug is finally becoming self-aware. There's a lot of... Um, a lot of references to previous episodes, like the Batman and Robin episode, where he's apologizing with it, apologizing to Joel Schumacher for like homophobic jokes. Because that's like, that was basically half that fucking review. The back credit card and fucking, oh, get a load of this homo. There's so many little nuggets that I love where uh, he's walking through this convention and he sees a girl dressed in nostalgia critic cosplay and he almost looks disgusted yeah. by this. It's... He, he has, like, a, a visceral reaction to it that's very noticeable. He's like fucking uh, James Sunderland from Silent Hill 2. He's just exactly. stuck in this fucking purgatory of his own uh, making. And the other thing that got me was, um, so he calls his wife, with, uh, wife in quotations, and this line is fucking terrible, where he's like, let's watch Princess Mononoke. It's an an it's a cartoon about the rainforest, but it's subtle. Look you. <laughs> we get you're still, you're still bitter about Ferngully and Avatar. Grow the fuck up, asshole. But what got me was... His wife is played by Mara Wilson. He fucking got her involved with this, which I, I must have, they must have buried the hatchet or something, because why else would she? I feel like he was really trying to make amends with these people. Billy was trying. There is a lot of uh, self-reflection. By the time we get to episode five, that becomes very much to the episode's detriment. Yeah. Fucking, it's um... his manifesto. This is his... Yeah. Uh, episode four has to do with... It's a Blair Witch Project parody. Yeah, it's just a dumb Blair Witch it's, Project. It's not, yeah. it's, it's not much to it. But episode five is... It's one of the most upsetting things I've ever seen. It's uh, not, <laughs> not, not not just because of like what it's about, but... Like, Doug ostensibly uses real-life tragedy as character building. It's so fucking disgusting. So... In the episode, he's kidnapped by this psycho family who is obsessed. So they, they find out he's basically... It's his version of misery. Dog is being made to watch old nostalgia critic videos. So he, they find out like, he's supposed to be adult Jake Lloyd. Who, uh, uh, yeah, so they, and they literally they don't even hide it because he was in Jingle This Way and Space Wars and shit like that. Uh, like, boy. like they don't even hide it. He's just adult Jake Lloyd. And his mom in the episode, like they, they build this whole backstory for this, for this fucking character that he's playing throughout the show. And this comes at you out of nowhere. That's the thing about this show that's so crazy, is that the first two episodes are garbage comedy, and then all of a sudden you're being thrown with a self-reflective hatred. It's like his version of Dogville, like, venting about how much he hates himself. It's fucking amazing, but... Um, yeah, they, to go from fucking your uh, your dumb Batman parody to references about Sidney Poitier movie from the 50s. <laughs> so... We'll get into that. So, um, they in this show, aside from being adult Jake Lloyd, his mom is supposed to be Elizabeth Hartman. Now, for those who don't know who Elizabeth Hartman is, he knows her for being, she was the voice of the character from Secret of Nim. That comes back. And, um, yeah. <laughs> that all and comes full circle, it baby. It all comes full circle, baby. And her first movie, she was up for an Oscar for a movie called A Patch of Blue, which was a 1965 film about a blind woman who falls in love with a black man it was a it's a pretty um ballsy film for the time especially in that period of america the civil rights act is being signed it's 
it's definitely quite a quite a progressive movie for its era yeah. like, she so I, was very much a, a pioneer of that and um guess is coming to get uh guess to dead off his dead dead yeah. my favorite is also the defiant ones where it's him and tony curtis on the run and tony curtis is an asshole he's a racist yeah. fuck the chain it's a great movie uh but she had a pretty interesting career after that she was in the beguiled with clint eastwood she was in walking tall and then she did secret of him but then she had to retire because she had very bad depression so she retired acting to take care of her mental health and in 1987 she would um she would throw herself out of a window killing herself it's a horrible story and it's sad and doug because i guess he's a huge fan of secret and M, uh decides to use this woman's suicide as character building for his weird it it really comes across as uncomfortable to me because like, knowing it's the only reason he knows about this this woman is because of this fucking movie that he's obsessed with. It's not like he yeah. watch a fucking movie from Sidney Poitier in the 60s that actually has something to say about the culture of the time. Like, come on. No, it goes back to the fucking, like, again, those dumb kids movies that he used to watch. Like, the guy's in his 40s and he just can't stop referencing this dumb shit. Yeah. And it really is blackpilling because, like, immediately after that, he just goes back to the nostalgic setting. There's a... Before, there's a scene in episode five, and this is to me, the Doug telling his audience how much he hates them, how much he hates himself. It's so terrible. Just leave me alone. All of you leave me alone. There's like no emotion in your voice. What was going through your head at the time? Well, my mother killed herself for one. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, they, uh, they didn't talk about that much. They felt it dampened the Christmas spirit, but... It happened, and uh, I tried to press on as best as I could under the circumstances. In the end, it doesn't matter, because I gave a bad performance. And in the end, that is everything. I mean, that's enough to judge a person for the rest of his life, for people to shout things across the street and call him names, say he's a horrible person, because I gave a bad performance. I, I didn't think acting was really anything to be ashamed of. I mean, I didn't seem to be hurting anyone. I loved doing it. It was following in my mother's footsteps. But, in the end, no. I gave a bad performance, and I should really, really be sorry for it. And I am. I am so sorry that I did that. Can you forgive me? C can you forgive me that my mother died and because of that, I couldn't give it my all to entertain you. Because I'm really sorry about it. I am. I am so fucking sorry. <laughs> you almost had me going there for a minute. I was really starting to believe that. That's yeah. how Doug views his fans. That's how Doug views what he has created. He views it as this horrible nightmare monster. Like he, they are Kathy. His fans, he views them as Kathy Bates for misery, complete lunatics who have no respect for anyone or anything other than just making fun of people's misery. How dare you kill off the nostalgia critic? It's amazing. It's How dare you? And it's yeah. I, I can't say I feel bad for Doug because I think you know he's created this. Yeah, this, this really, yeah, this really is a monster of his own making. He really could have just just packed it in after fucking demo deal, but no, he no. He does uh, the review must go on, oh. which is one of the most fascinating fucking thirty minutes I've ever spent. Oh, it is! It this is his 
this is Iblin Empire. This is his Iblin Empire. <laughs> it's a very surreal nightmare. And I love his response to Demo Reel's failure is to just violently kill everyone like a complete lunatic. One of the things that I found, like we talk shit about uh, Linkara a lot on this episode, but he did say something that I really agree with. This is the only smart thing he's ever fucking said. Doug was talking about, I have to bring back the character because the tights, the site is tanking. And Link said, don't do it because you've ostensibly admitted to your fans, you can't do anything else. You will have admitted defeat and then you'll never live it down. And he's completely fucking right. So I'll give you that, Mr. Fucking Lewis. Uh, you, you know you're fucked when the fucking uh, Power Rangers rants guy has to fucking... Has to be the voice of reason. You, yeah, you should, uh, you should probably pack this in. Like, I know Demo Reel was a failure, but do anything other than the nostalgic critic. And yeah, he just... He just does it, yeah. He just, he essentially admits defeat, and he's still doing nostalgic critic. He's still fucking doing this. No, he's this, still plugging this away at this fucking shit. And notice also, he's gotten way more bitter and angry over his reviews. <laughs> no, it's become yeah. noticeable. Where uh -huh. He did his review of like Fury Road, and he seems to think the only reason people love it is because people think Tom Hardy's hot, which is like, I mean, yeah. obviously, but that's not just the reason the movie's great. But I, I have a theory with his wall review, and this is why I think it's so infamous. I think it's based in jealousy. I really think it's based in jealousy and hatred because... Uh, Roger Waters did what Doug Walker wanted to do. He took his own personal feelings about growing up in Thatcher's England and turned it into this very vulnerable, very sincere piece of art. And it's respected by everyone. And the minute Doug tried to do that, it was rejected. And he feels this motherfucker did what I wanted to do and he's successful and I'm not. So I feel like that's there's an engine, there's a nugget of the hatred that drove that review. It yeah. wasn't just, you know... Like, I, I have a strong suspicion that had to have been a part of it. I don't think Doug's that smart, but there has to be a nugget there. Nah. Yeah, the wall review is, um, even if you don't know the nostalgia critic, you probably know that review specifically. It's one of the most stabbed on videos of all time. Like, everyone and their fucking dog, Clan Olsen, a bunch of people have, have like, definitely made fun of that one review, and it is... It's generally one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. It's horrible. I've, it's... I've, I've never seen a guy miss a fucking point of a movie so hard like he does. I think it's hatred. I really think there's something there that was driving that. And by the way, fuck you. He has Corey Taylor and doesn't even let him do fucking Slipknot. He fucking yeah. makes him sing the Spongebob theme. Corey Taylor still gets uh, shit for that. He his, should. Uh, like, he fucking his, should. There's like a mountain of videos of one-man concerts because... Um, he would carefully like to do that as a one-man show. And carefully, the audience will just shout out, "Do the SpongeBob theme again!" <laughs> and the fucking look on his face is just oh, fucker. He deserves it. Like, well, how dare you? <laughs> you knew what you got involved with, buddy. But yeah. I, 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 yeah, and he's still plugging away at it, and he's becoming. Yeah. I've noticed he's gotten more and more bitter, and I think yeah, he's forty-one. He's still doing this crap. And he will continue to until no. probably the day he dies. To wrap this up, I, I the story of Doug Walker is it's I, it's kind of hilarious. We spent this long talking about a guy who <laughs> is completely nothing. But I think there's some, there's something so fascinating to me about it. Again, maybe it's because it's a personal thing, you know, growing up during that period. But the thing about Doug is he is the poster child for internet burnout particularly with people who make stuff online you see so many of these people if you watch like james rolf or if you watch any like old yeah, youtubers he's, 
He's fucking bald now. That's how long he's been doing this for. Yeah. Go look at anyone who's been on YouTube for like 10 years. The passion is so gone for all these people, and they're all burnt the fuck out. And there was, there was a huge conversation a while ago. It's like, YouTuber burnouts. I'm doing what I love. Why am I... St why do I hate this? And it's like, because you've, you're feeding a beast that can never be satisfied. You have put yourself in a position where... You're a dancing monkey, and if you stop dancing, they'll throw shit at you. It's the problem of what happens when you turn your hobby into a job. Sooner or later, you're just going to start hating it. And well, when it gets to the point where like, the only way you can fucking feed your family is through this dumb uh, internet character, then that's, you know, you're fucked then. Even if he stopped doing the nostalgic critic for real, what the fuck else could he do at this point? Bricklay? I don't fucking know. <laughs> Like, like even even then, like, and you can put the fucking nostalgia critic on your resume. No, I wouldn't. I fucking wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah. there's so much content. That's the problem too. He's forever. Yeah. Even if he you is. tried to pivot, you're just that guy. You're that asshole who spent years yelling about kids' movies online. That's yeah. not an interesting thing for to put on your resume. So he's yeah. he's doomed himself. And I I should feel bad for him, but I don't. It's it's his. Yeah, fault. you can't roll. And he knows what he's doing. And he's comfortable yeah, wallowing in misery. And if that's how he wants to do it, that's fine with me. His gym has just slowly turned into a nightmare. It's, it's the fucking G-Rex thing of, um, he takes very much the same approach I do of following your gyms and that you shouldn't do it because some gyms are bad and you should get new gyms. That's, that's what I would say to Doug if he was here like, no, just drop the internet shit, get like a... Even if it's unfulfilling, just get a fucking office job, man. Get an office just get job. like any fucking other way to uh, to pay your bills. It's it's it's, it's a wild story and one that uh, anyone outside of our age group has no idea about. And that's why it's kind of amazing. Yeah. It's an amazing tragedy, and it's a it's a it's also a hilarious time capsule of how much the internet has changed. With like, yeah. you could just call fucking. Joel Schumacher, a uh, gay railer, and no one cared. I mean, you could harass like... fucking children, and no one cared. Yeah. It's wild. Me too really did a number on a lot of uh, internet personalities. But, uh, yeah, so to uh, to round this up, um, I would I would not recommend any Nostalgia Critic video, not even yet. the... Uh, not even, even on, like, the quote-unquote interesting demo reel stuff. Just, if, if you haven't seen any of this, just do not bother. It's it's not worth your time. No, it's, there's nothing to it that you're going to get anything. Demo reel's only interesting if you know the Doug Walker story, if you just go into it without knowing who he is. And it, it's like, what is this garbage? We're going to be talking about a real film next time, made oh, by a real filmmaker, yes. which I'm very much looking forward to. Oh boy, this is, yep, it's it's going to be so nice to actually, after talking about nothing but cape shit and internet bullshit, <laughs> let's get some art in this fucking place, goddammit. We won't outright say what it is, but uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about uh, yeah. like a good recent film for a change. It's going to be delicious, so uh, have what. Join us next time for that, and uh, stay safe and stay happy, everyone. Is this really life? No, this isn't life. This isn't anything even representing life. But it's life for me. It's pretty pathetic, but it's all I got. I know what you're saying. Wow, that's pretty sad. Well, you know, yeah, it is fucking sad. I don't get to go out and hang with friends. I don't even have any friends. I have nobody to contribute anything to. I have nobody to 
talk to or bounce things off of. You know, say, hey, what you think of that? I'll tell you what I think of that. No, it's just me bitching and moaning like I always do. And some would say, well, it's a pretty sad existence. Oh, yeah, it is a pretty sad existence. Just say you're like a fucking fucking down. I mean, for God's sake, I've never done anything. I've never done anything to make someone's life better or, 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 or gone and play a game with somebody. I would love to play a game with somebody. Wouldn't that be great? I mean, somebody's just like, oh, hey, why don't you come over and play this game with us? What game? Part cheesy. I don't know what the fuck people are playing, but you know what? It'd be nice. It'd be nice to be invited. I, I've never even gone out to a bar with somebody, hang with some friends. I've never gone to a, a strip club. Okay, I've gone to a couple strip clubs, but I've never gone with anybody. I've never been there and actually been like, again, not with people. But still, you know what? It'd be nice. It'd be nice just one day to go somewhere where somebody's just having a good time and somebody just says out of nowhere, hey, you know what? That guy was okay. Not great, but he was okay. Instead of, hey, who was that little Fuck shit! Well, I'll tell you who that fuck shit is! He's a nostalgia critic! He remembers it so you don't fucking have to! Even though every fucking day he exists, he wishes he didn't have to! He wishes he didn't have to do this bullshit to make you work and get you ratings! And why does it happen? Why do you keep coming back? Because you're fucking sick and I'm fucking stupid!